<laughs> oh my god. Uh, run it again. Right, no, no, it's running. I'm just going to cut it after. Hello, welcome to N17 Podcast. My name is Cosmo, and tonight I'm joined by Jed. Yo. I'm joined by Eddie. Bro, you sped run that intro. You were trying not <laughs> You did that in two seconds. Uh, I've, said, I've said before, man, I hate the intros. It's so hard just going in like cold and just being like, oh, you know, nearly did it again there. <laughs> Awful hello, mate. It always, get, it always gets me. Always gets me. I always overthink it. Um, But how are we doing, boys? Well, do you know what? Do you, do you know what? If it weren't for like... Do you know what? If it weren't for Tottenham, it would have been okay. I think it's had like a normal week. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, since we last did our pods, um, yeah. I Spice is still keeping my, my energy. <laughs> yeah. I, I've, I've really, I've, I've kept my spirits up through that, to be honest. One normal week of Tottenham's. It's all I asked for. It's all I asked for. I think the best place to start is the announcement that Conte's condition has worsened. Um, since his gallbladder surgery and he is now going to go through a period of recuperation in Italy um, in the statement which I probably should have got up before and to be fair um, it's quite vague in terms of what's what's going to happen in terms of when he's going to be back they're saying they don't want to put a fixed um, return date on it and that Stellini will resume first uh, first team duties what where do we think this is going to go? Where do we think this is going to go? Because it does almost feel like this might be a case where Spurs and Conte come together and they say, look, this isn't working. He doesn't really want to be there anyway. And now he has this illness. So do we think it could be the case where Conte, where Spurs and Conte part ways, possibly? I mean, it's hard to say. Uh, I think that, the kind of the, the kind of uh, frustrating thing is that you could tell that rather than what people have been saying, you do get the impression that Conte came back because he really did want to get back to the team, um, and that kind of goes against every narrative about him losing that kind of like for the team. Um, if you want to believe that, I, I certainly do. I think that he does want to get back to the team and, and working. I think he's one of those people that are kind of addicted to working, um, so. I think he'd much rather like just dive into it than spend some time on the sidelines. Um, but yeah, I, I think like he said in his statement, he, he believes that he underestimated the amount of time that it would take to recover. It is, you know, pretty invasive surgery. Um, and so it does take some time to recover. Um, I just think that, I think what it means is that Conte is going to stay until the end of the season without a doubt in my mind. I think that's what it means. Um, I, I just don't think that whilst he's recovering, whilst he's, like, the year that he's had outside of that surgery, um, just with, um, yeah, just the, st- the stresses of work and also um, very close friends passing away. Um, and on top of this, um, it would kind of look, like on a, on a human scale, it would look bad on our part if we were then to be like, okay, off you pop. Um, whilst he's like recovering from surgery, so I just think that he's it kind of gives him a bit more time. Um, but yeah, I don't know. That's that's kind of how I feel about it. Do you do you not think if they they came together and they were like, look, he's leaving at the end of the season anyway, and he's ill. Do you not think they could work a way where they could just be like, 
he's he's going to go now and we'll see like a mutual termination. Is is that even something we would want? Or would we want Stellini to take the team for the the take yeah, take charge of the team for the foreseeable future? Because we're looking at probably, let's be honest, at least a month Stellini. And then there's not much of the season left. So it's a really odd position for a team to be in to literally have the assistant in charge for this extended period of time. Um Jed, what do you what do you think? Because I don't know, it kind of leaves us a bit drifting in a way because is is Conte going to still be taking the decisions of the team from from his home in Italy like what what is going to go on I think I think it's hard to know I think um it was for the city game that Sadini took charge wasn't it and I think yeah. I think Conte said that he was basically able to leave Sadini to it just because he knows exactly how is that exactly how Conte is going to want to play all these methods and all that sort of stuff so I think he trusts Sadini to take the team from here. Um, obviously, I think here and there he's going to be giving his input and sort yeah. of wanting certain things. But I, I don't know. I think just in terms of whether whether or not we part ways with him, I think the only the only way it can happen now is if we, we just, we go on a terrible, terrible run. And, and I mean, like, if we were to lose, like, the next four or five games maybe, then I reckon that's probably the only way it happens. And not even just because of that, I think also as well that I think we find ourselves for the third year in a row now where we would be sacking another manager. Um, I think it seems like Conte Conte was someone that uh, Daniel Levy really wanted, apparently even more so than Paratici did. Apparently he was the one who really pushed for the deal. And I think just on his side of it, it really wouldn't reflect well on him if the guy that he went all out to get, we didn't even get through. Well, I think we got through a year with him. We got, we've got we got like a year and a half out of him. And yet again, it's, you would consider it a failure. I mean, I know he got us back into the Champions League, but I think the general perception from the fan base, whether you think it's right or wrong, is that we haven't backed Conte. It's another manager that Levy's failed. And I think Levy's aware of that at the moment. So I think he's got he's got himself into a tough position where he can't really sack Conte because the pressure on him is already too big. And if he were to do this now, I just think it's almost like another mark against his name. But I, I, I don't know. For me personally, I, I, I don't see it like that because I don't, it's very clear to see that this this relationship isn't working between us and Conte. And for me personally, I would. We we we've spoke about this not on the podcast, Cosmo, but on uh, the group chat, where we've said, ideally, we want Conte to go, but it, it's it's kind of it's it's really not the best situation to drop a manager into mid season, especially when we've got all these injuries. And let's be honest, it, the feeling is that it's probably going to be Poch, and. Well, I'm I'm up for that. Don't get me wrong. I, at this point, I want some familiarity. I want someone I can really get behind. But I think bringing someone like Poch into this situation mid-season, where there's going to be maybe not expectations, the right word, but there's going to be a lot of hype, and people are going to be very excited for it again. And I think the squad that he's going to have to work with is 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 not good enough. And I think if he starts to lose a lot of games all the excitement and all the hype for this new 
new project on the potch completely just gets sapped out of it before yeah. we've even had a chance of really starting it. So I I don't know. I think it's a really tough position we find ourselves in. Yeah, I know. That's that's the thing. Like, obviously, we have uh, sympathy with Conte give, going through these like medical issues and stuff, and um, you know the bereavements as well. Like, this you can't play that down at all. But he's not put himself into the greatest position by literally from when he took the job throughout, just kind of being being so non-committal. It has caused a great deal of insta- instability, and it's instability that has been worsened through unfortunate circumstances. Um, and now, yeah, like you say, Jeff, we're in we're in a really weird position. It just feels like if this season is starting to feel like a balloon with the air just like slowly going out of it now, because I feel like all momentum has kind of been crushed by the the last two games. Um, Which we but, said last week on the pod as last week we said that like it feels yeah. we feel like we're heading in the right direction, but literally one bad result, if well, one awful result against Leicester yeah. changed it completely. And yeah, Milan, Milan, we obviously lost the tie, but like, I don't it was think... the manner of the performance was so disappointing, wasn't it? Yeah. And like, that's what we said in the pod. It's, the situation's way too volatile at the moment that we, we just can't lose even one game after going on a run because it, it, the enthusiasm just gets zapped out of everyone because you you can't really build towards something when there's that uncertainty there. And you can you can win five out of one games, but that one game that you lose in the manner that we lose it is almost so disheartening that you just think, what what's what's the point of all of this? Yeah, yeah. I I, I do want to just agree with you on the on the potch point as well because I I'm Eddie. I know you differ on this. I know you don't. We didn't at least really want potch back, but I I I do want him back at this point. But I I think it has to be in the summer because. If he comes back into this situation, like you say, Jeb, with all these injuries, he's just going to get that stench back on him. And then all of a sudden, it's it's not Poch has a blank slate and he's and he's able to rebuild a, a squad. This becomes Poch's squad by default, and it makes it much harder to go through a greater degree of of, of turnover of players. Whereas if Poch was to come back in the summer, then the only players that he had from his reign pretty much would be Kane, Dyer, Davies, uh, Lloris. And then I suppose you could say like the likes of like Sessegnon and whatnot who were brought in the summer he left. But it goes from being Poch comes in to a team where it only has four of his regulars to Poch comes in to these are all Poch players again. And I feel like we just, we can't allow that to happen. I don't think that would be the move. So ultimately I think we are in this, we are stuck in this purgatory where I think Conte is just going to continue to the end of the season. And I, I just don't see it ending well. I think we're going to end up in like fifth, sixth and can't see us doing anything in the cups either. I, it's um, it's a bleak outlook. Um, but here's the thing. We've kind of, we've, we've become a self-fulfilling fallacy from our last podcast where we said, you know, the you know third place is opening up. Manchester United are losing our dropping points. There's an opportunity there. Newcastle really podcast, dropped off as well. Exactly. And on that podcast, we said you have to be brave. You have to get a result at Leicester, even if it's not a good performance. And to see the performance that we put out against Leicester was, I was furious. I was so so angry. I don't. 
I don't think I've been that angry this season. Um, it was just pathetic. Um, and the, the the problem is like the the thing with Conte's uh, health issues, which obviously you can't predict these things. Um, so I'm not I'm not trying to ascertain meaning to it, but um, it's almost like a metaphor for his non commitment to Spurs. He comes, he goes away at the City game and we win. Comes back for the for the lesser game and we get absolutely hammered. He has to go away and again after the Milan game. That kind of turmoil in um, the leadership of the of the team and and the coaching of the team and then the direction that the team is going in. How do how are you able to come back when your manager's like going back and forth from like taking training and like you know you you want to bounce back after these two results, Leicester and Milan. Um, you want to bounce back in the Premier League this this coming weekend, but your manager's not even there to 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 be like, "Come on, guys, we need to do this." Your man- well, uh, like, and not just that, you know, he's going at the end of the season. Yeah, and and it's it's really difficult as a player to be like, I feel like I'm going in the right direction when you don't know what that direction is. And I, and and yeah, like you said, Cosmo, I have been um, resistant to the idea of Poch coming back. But you guys have just like explained the exact reason why I don't want him back. A, a lot of that team, the core of that team that are still starting, if it were players that have had, that that uh, failed under him, essentially, um, with the Champions League, with that title challenge, they failed under Poch. And it's really hard to keep going again and again and again. And the thing is with Poch is that you're going to have to commit to Losing Kane, in my opinion, you're gonna to have to commit to getting rid of like Son, maybe, in my opinion, and like that is a significant amount of change that you need to go through in a summer. Are you gonna then write off next season because we're gonna to have to go through transitional periods? That's another thing. Like I know eventually this is gonna to have to happen, but I I really do think that if we're gonna to have to go through this much change. I don't trust Poch to go through it again. And that's not a blight against him. I just think that it is way more difficult to do so. And I know he didn't get the backing the first time around. But I do think even if he did get even a little bit more backing, there's so much to do. Um, and this is not even counting the fact that his time at PSG was completely unsuccessful. And that's going to that's gonna have a away on 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 how he approaches this uh, he had the best players in the world and i know that that team is a bit of a mess but i don't think the posh's answer po- i don't think posh is the answer to our issue right now definitely not and even at the end of the season i think you re- re- like the next step is utterly crucial mm. yeah, and, but, I, and i but, think that next step is uh, not uh, but eddie i i kind of agree but like with what you said there like do you not think any manager that comes in is going to have to go through a massive degree of, of overhaul. Yeah, but there's not an emotional connection to the club. That mm. that manager can be quite brutal with his changes. He can he can look at that squad and you can look at it, you know, um, without any prejudice. Like like I said, with that core, there's still a lot of love in that core for 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 Poch, I'd imagine. And I think he would find it difficult to 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 maybe act some of those players if, if needs be. Um, and so I think with someone coming in who doesn't have that connection, who can build a new relationship with the club, with the fans, with Levy, and also with his squad going forward, 
I think that's going to be much more beneficial. If you want change, you don't get someone who was with you three three years ago. The, the change has to be universal because what you're going to see is Potter's going to try and integrate his his style into Spurs. We've played that way before. That's not a change, like in a wholesale change. We're going to be trying to revert back to a, a kind of playing style that, in my opinion, potentially just doesn't work in the Premier League anymore. And and, yeah. and I do. I mean, look that, at look at Liverpool, even you know. Exactly, and, yeah. and teams that have even won the title have to evolve, and I and, and I do think that like it's a dangerous game to to kind of revert to comfort because Potter's a known quantity. Whereas if you look at someone like Brighton bringing in Deserby, who is a risk because you know the type of football that he plays is aggressive and attacking, and you have to look at the squad that, that Brighton have whilst good maybe is like in the position that they're in, you kind of, that's a risk because what could happen is that it may take a season to, to, to get that down. And in that position, Brighton could be, you know, fighting relegation, but they took that risk and we're seeing the benefits of that risk. They're in the top half of the table. They're above Chelsea, they're above Liverpool. And I think Tottenham needs to be able to be brave enough to do something like that. Mm. That's the thing. But I think one of the reasons like we are so drawn to Poch still is because, and this is this is on Levy to be fair. Like I think a lot of people would say that we're not Levy out enough. A lot of people would make that that um, criticism. But he's employed two managers. I forget that Nuno was even. I'm not. Uh, I'm not counting Nuno. But in Mourinho and Conte, who don't give a shit about Tottenham Hotspur, and I think that's why people want Poch back so much. Is because it's so. I mean, look, the guy is doing the most on Instagram. He's like walking he's around the training ground, basically. Like, he's like, yeah, look every, at me. Every look post me. is like in London, in London. Yeah, exactly, and like that's very tempting to want to go back to. Um, but that's yeah, like, I mean, your ex is posting up madness on the story do you know what i mean <laughs> it is like that i mean it's so like it's so like a romance it's crazy um but i think in those cases it probably is better not to go back but this this is one of my worries of of potch coming back in i feel like he's almost like a sort of like like a bogeyman but like a be- <laughs> benevolent bogeyman in the sense that whenever there's like a bad result you can go, oh, like, oh, we should just get him back. Fuck yeah. it. Let's get him back in. But what happens when he's the manager? We've just lost 3-0 to Sheffield <laughs> United. Brighton, well, well, do we start yeah. saying like, oh, no, let's get Mourinho. Like, it's, you know, it's like. At the same time, though. It worries me. At the same time, though, I think like, look, I don't trust the club to make the right decision from here anyway, because I think. We're in this position because we appointed Mourinho and then we couldn't find a successor for Mourinho despite having three or four months to do it. But I think us as Spurs fans, um, I think it's and it sounds it sounds it sounds bad to say it out loud, but I almost think we just need to get this potch potch back out of our system. Because if he comes back and he flops, we can forget about Potch. Because we know we know it's been tried. If it hasn't worked, then we know that we can't go back to that. But like you said, Cosmo, if we, whenever we're in a bad run, always in the back of our mind is, oh, we could get him back. He could, he could, he could bring back what we used to have. But we don't, like Eddie said, we don't, we don't know if he can even do that anymore. 
He's been largely out of work for the last, what, three years? Had a, had a year at PSG where, like Eddie said, and don't get me wrong, PSG, I, don't, I think, is a bit of a poison chalice. I think most managers struggle when they go there. Um, I don't even know what Poch is like tactically now. And if it, and even at Spurs, at a time where we were really good, I wouldn't have said he was like tactically flexible. I think for a lot of our peak years, it was almost almost one way or no way, um, and we got a lot of fluke victories, especially in that in that run to the final. Um, I think we had no style on on the way to the Champions League yeah. final. It was great yeah, yeah. what happened, but I don't think there was an identity by that point. Exactly. So I don't know what. Pochettino's evolution has been as a manager because like I said he's been out of work for almost three years now and you haven't got to see how he's moved along with the times football's football has actually gone come a long way since Poch left Spurs it's completely different and that wasn't even that long ago so I don't I don't know I feel like more more it's, it's just more so Spurs can't just keep going back to Poch I think we need to we need to just get out of our systems, and look. F- football now, anyway, is like it looks like United's going to get taken over by Qatari, so it's 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 almost going to be a closed shot for top four. Um, so really, it's we can have four billion billion dollar clubs at top four. Exactly, exactly. It all seems a bit pointless, but mm. I don't know. It almost feels like we just need to get out of our system, whether it's a success or not, so we can almost just forget about it or ride the wave of success if he brings that yeah i'm just thinking of all the trash reality tv i've watched over the years uh namely the only ways essex one of my it, that was one of my ultimate guilty pleasures man i used to love that guilty show I've, I've stopped yeah. watching it recently but i used recently. to love that. yeah i'd say i tried to give it another chance in the summer and it just if you take too much of a break from it it becomes completely unbearable because like the storylines are just so stupid, um, it's got a lot worse. I have to watch it sometimes with my girl. Exactly. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie's gonna reveal that he's watching it as well. No, I never, I never watched that, and I never watched um, Made in whatever Made in Chelsea. I, I still watch Made in Chelsea. I still watch Made in Chelsea. But there is a yeah. point here: the couples that get back together are always the most toxic uh, and dysfunctional on the storylines. Um, so I, I don't know. I I don't know why there are so many parallels between um romance and, and Spurs' man, manager situation, but, but there is e- everyone says it. <laughs> everyone says it. Even Danny Kelly on um View from the Lane was talking about how um comparing Conte to like a want away lover and going to buy them roses and whatnot and then thinking it's gonna change, it's not gonna change, which um made me laugh i don't i don't know why i don't know why it comes back to relationships so much because potch made such an emotional connection with the fans that it feels like it was like a love affair it was a love affair with with potch and spurs and so when potch was sacked it felt like a breakup and so since then you're kind of pining after potch because you feel like there's some unfinished business there and i think what jed is saying is kind of akin to that you kind of Sometimes you need to get back with someone to realise that, you know, it's, it was always a bad idea anyways. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But what I wanted to, what I kind of wanted to say is that I, I'm also, what I'm worried about if Poch does take over and we are successful is that we kind of, or successful in the sense that like 
we we managed to get into the top four, whatever, with 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 the squad that we have. Um, even though we don't really have a left back, if you wanted to play a back four, but whatever. Um, That's a good point. Um, is that we're going to give him the keys to the kingdom. Um, and maybe that's just me because I don't really want him. But like, I, I do think it's it's kind of like an easy win for Levy and we kind of let him off the hook if Potts comes back and he's kind of all right or he does decent. Um, and I think that that's like another pitfall that we're going to fall into um, because I think that would signify that Levy's not really kind of got the the balls to make a like a big decision for the the future of Spurs, which they've been talking about a lot recently. They're like they're like plans for the future, whatever that means. Um well that just means like extra days of Beyonce performing at the Spurs Stadium is another thing. Um hope to see you man there. But um <laughs> <laughs> But it's on the day of the Champions League final mate, so Yeah. Bruv, I'm there I in hope it. Not. Don't worry about me. Don't worry about me. <laughs> I'm there in I'm it. I'm there no matter what. <laughs> I'm there no matter what. We'll be there. Um, I just think that we kind of, we, like I was saying like a couple of minutes ago, we just really, this this next appointment, and there should be an appointment in summer because I just don't think Conte is going to stay and I don't think it's good for the club. It's crucial. Um, and... Like Jed said, I just don't trust the club to, to to make a good decision regarding that. Just just quickly on that, could you actually stomach Conte staying? Say say we did end the season strongly, and let's just say we got fourth, no FA Cup and no Champions League, because I think that would maybe sweeten it a bit too much. Let's just say we came fourth, and then he had a massive turnaround. And he's like, I want to stay, but the extension was another 18 month contract or another two year contract could you could you do that i, I can't i can't do this shit no. I, I hate this instability I, i've hated it since october, day one you know in october he's gonna be like <laughs> but uh in this situation but uh <laughs> yes, yeah, just spent five six hundred million uh in the situation but uh <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Uh, he's not, he's not 25. He's not 25. <laughs> Young player. <laughs> that's what's gonna. That's what. That's what October, November will look like if he signs another 18 month contract. Because yeah. it's, it's very non-committal. It's a year and a half. It just means that if it gets to like January and he's got a year left, then he can just be like actually bun this. And walk away, and then we're going to be in a much worse position. I guarantee you. Oh yeah. Oh my god. It would be like the absolute. It, this is part of the thing that's on Levy, though. That it would be the fumes of the fumes of the fumes of the pot years if we yeah. keep this going. We really have to overhaul. Ser- seriously, we have to overhaul, man. We're going to struggle to do it though, because I think he's got all our players, bro. Yeah. I was thinking this. I was thinking this when I was making a point earlier, and I was talking about the people who were there from Poch. I forgot all the low knees started coming into my head one by one. I was like, "Oh, Winks, Lo Celso, Region, Region." No, no, no. He was. Uh, he was I know really Region was Region was. But still, the, the amount of Deadwood that's going to come back into the club for if Poch was to come back to deal with is nuts. It's going to be an administrative nightmare. And also, it's like. It's looking like we might have to do it without Champions League money as well next yeah. season. It's yeah, looking yeah. like 
if and this is another problem about just like sort of trying to sleepwalk through the rest of the season um is that ultimately you, you sort of get further and further away from what you want to achieve uh i think the uncertainty is is obviously damaging the squad in terms of performances and i think if we weren't to get champions league trying to rebuild that squad in the summer is just it's it's going to be too difficult because we need two center backs we need a goalkeeper we need we're going to need a central midfielder because ben benson is going to miss pre-season he'll probably miss the first couple months of the season and yeah, he might not even be the same player and we then, need left backs well and and but again this is another thing we've just signed two of the best best young wing backs in the world are we going to bring in a manager that's going to play wing backs because not a lot of not a lot of managers play three at the back systems anymore managers are starting to go back back towards four at the back and then as well as that we've on that we've got to pay for Poro in the summer obviously not all in one it's going to be in installments Kulisevsky is going to have to be paid for in the summer there's probably going to be more installments to be paid for for Romero yeah Dan Juma and then (laughs) that's that's not even looking at things like giving Harry Kane a new contract obviously signing a new manager it's way too much. It's way too much work to do again in one summer. But we say this every summer. We've been rebuilding for five, six years now, and we still don't feel closer to the completion. How can we? How can we be at this point? And it's because we keep making the wrong, the wrong managerial choices. You can't just keep flicking through managers year after year, going from Jose to Nuno to Conte, buying players for their systems, and then this is this is why we're ending up where we are. Jed, do you think um, part of that can be remedied by getting someone who actually plays the players that we buy? Because we saw who came in for the Milan game, and we're going to probably talk about the Milan and Leicester game, and he was brilliant. Maybe we're lowering our expectations because we've got like basically no midfielders. And like, for instance, if Skip went down or Saar went down, Alfie Devine would have had to go into the pitch. But... Um, and we had Hill on the books, who looked bright when he was playing, and we've shipped him back off to Spain. We we've had, you know, Spence on the books, and we've shipped him off to Ren. Like, does this does this get remedied by actually playing the players that we bought? Richarlison's just been rotting on the bench. Like, yeah. I think it does. I, I think some of those positions we have players. Loselso and Dombele. And that's that. Yeah, that's even bring those players. I'm not even joking with that, by the way. I think they might end up playing Ambregion. I, I yeah, wouldn't rule it out. Only because we we probably won't be able to get money for him. That's, yeah. We might Levy will just end up thinking, "Fuck it, we'll we'll just play him." The man, new manager. Yeah, but that's like, that's <laughs> Levy will think that, and I love that. <laughs> Levy will think that. <laughs> what play, play, Levy play. might as well. Levy might as well put himself in charge. <laughs> yeah, I, I really sounded like one of them them proper like Levy out people then, didn't I? <laughs> like, no, not even, but I just love the idea the that like Levy and... can pick the team. Like... No, but he, he might just think, fuck it, I've been trying to sell him for two years now. <laughs> no one's got any money, just just try fucking use him. Um but no, I, I agree, I do agree with that, Eddie. I think I think definitely that would help. I think a manager now that obviously likes to likes to play some younger players and try to try to embed them into the club. Um, Even again, like Divine, for instance. Yeah. He's been around the first team for ages. 
yeah and also yeah that and just get someone in to sort out our our youth system and oh, get loans for players players like Alfie Devine should be 25 million pound players now if they were playing in the championship they would be we'd be seeing links from footy inside they're saying Spurs are keeping an eye on him <laughs> but he's he's rotten in the under 23s so yeah I think just getting a manager who who's be a bit more open-minded and not trying to chase this so-called serial winner manager who's who's going to win us something but not actually win us something. It's, it's all bollocks. We've tried that experiment and we need to we need to sort of get back to the club that we actually are. Yeah. I, I think that's one of my massive um, frustrations with Conte, which wasn't immediate after Milan game. I think th- things kind of brewed after Milan game once Spurs kind of, fans kind of like digested the result. Where at first we celebrated the the performances of Skip and Saar. Um, but I think after we had got done with celebrating that, I was like, why on earth haven't we played these players for the whole season? We've played players like Hoybier and Benson in every single game. Spence couldn't get a look in. He's clearly a, a brilliant player, clearly really well in the championship. Why have all of these young players played no minutes whatsoever? It just makes me think if we had a kind of a manager like Pochettino, these players would be playing. They would be squad players at this point. Instead, we act like they're 16 years old. They're not even that young. I think they're 20 and 22. 22, yeah. And players are playing first team football in the Premier League at that age now. It's it's not like... Garnacho. Martinelli, isn't he about 22? Yeah. London, probably. Yeah. Smith Rowe. Like... And loads of loads of play- mate Rico Lewis, he's eighteen. Yeah, like, and I don't like Rico Lewis wasn't even that great against us, but like he's getting minutes because Pep treats him like someone who will grow on the pitch, and yeah. Saar will grow on the pitch. Skip is going to grow on the pitch. Spence will grow on the pitch. They need to make the mistakes, and Conte is acting that because of their age the mistakes are going to be too frequent and we're not going to be able to... Bro, our players that are like 30 plus are making the same mistakes. Perisic has been awful, awful recently. And you're telling me that that's acceptable, but Spence getting minutes is unacceptable. It just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I don't know if you guys, we are running out of time a little bit, but I don't know if you want to like talk about the Milan game a little bit and then we'll just, we'll just head over into the other side of the break but I don't know apart from Skip and Saar it was pretty putrid I thought I thought Kane did all right all things considered you know he put himself I'm about but like game. set pieces were frustrating was that set, set pieces were really frustrating yeah so set pieces in that game that we didn't make the most of and I don't know what's happened to them in general in the past month or two months or so but like beginning of the season it was it was almost every other game we were scoring from one. And I know I know you can't keep that up, but like it seems as though our only plan from a set piece now is to take it short and then the player who took the corner runs on the outside of that player and then puts in a cross from that angle. Well we've been doing that for like two, three months now. I mean I don't think we scored from it. <laughs> Why are we still doing it? Or or the other plan is to like uh like a a, a kind of uh a cross to the near post and then flick on. Mm. We're not mixing yeah. it up. I don't know. 
I maybe other teams have worked out. Yeah, definitely. Maybe the other Geo is missing home as well. Maybe he's just fucked off that team. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know, you, I, I don't see nothing now. I don't. Yeah, I don't see nothing. that's true. I do. Go on. Go on. Well, I was just going to say, I haven't seen that guy's face in like since the summer. <laughs> I forgot what he looked like. Yeah. <laughs> but I do think that the um, the frustrating thing about the performance was even Emerson, I I jokingly said number 12 in the chat, but um, even Emerson, um, although he was solid, like athletic, dynamic, did some like good defending, as soon as he gets over the halfway line, you're kind of like he 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 doesn't cross. He doesn't he, like he doesn't have the confidence to cross. He doesn't make any kind of attacking runs. And per, and Perisic, who is Perisic? Oh, he's finished. He's finished, isn't he? He's absolutely he finished. Be, like, even even his crossing has been poor recently. And that's the one thing that he had um, that he was able to deliver every game. <laughs> When you're again, we've said this all season. When your game relies on wing backs, and both the wing backs yeah. give you nothing, and your wingers are giving you nothing, how do you expect to score? Yeah, and but are doing nothing. On on the flip side of that, though, Poro's debut against Leicester is one of the worst Spurs debuts I've ever seen in my life. Let's see, let's see for the second half. I want to talk about Leicester. <laughs> I want to talk about Leicester. Uh, Eddie, I feel bad that I stopped you mid rant. Mid rant. Um, yeah, let's talk about Leicester. Cool. Let's talk about let's Netspend. Talk, let's talk about. Let's talk about Leicester. Okay, so we said prior. <laughs> you had already creased. We said prior to the game in the previous podcast. Historically, we've been good against Leicester, and I think that's the team that Kane scored the most goals against in in the Premier League. Um, and yeah, just historically, we've been very good. And so whilst we weren't like completely confident, we did think that we had like a chance to, you know, to, to, to get to get a result and started fairly well. But you will not, you will not be successful. You will never be successful when you got that clown Davison Sanchez and his flipping the chuckle brother to his left, Wait, Eric Sanchez. Dyer. Sanchez didn't play. Did he not? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, sorry, oh, sorry. Eddie, sorry, Eddie, sorry. Eddie, that's a howler. No, <laughs> a howler. no, no, wait. I didn't mean, I didn't mean Tanganga. I didn't mean Tanganga. The, the sentiment. The sentiment stands, yeah. I think Sanchez should have played, though. He's a lot better than No, no, no. The amount of time that guy has at turf in front of my eyes, <laughs> you just know that that's what he was going to do. And the thing is, I'm sorry, I didn't mean Tanganga, but more the chuckle bother to his left, <laughs> Eric flipping Dyer. Because I've never seen such crazy positioning from a <laughs> back. Crazy. In my life. Oh, it's fact. It's because, fact. because, because, against the game, uh, the, the game against Manchester City, match of the day highlighted his um, his positioning. Right, he stepped up from the back three, and was aggressive in his tackles. Blah blah blah. 
good performance. That doesn't mean he has to do it every game. He's not playing against Haaland every week. Bro, the guys, we've we said this on the we said this on the podcast before. The turning circle of that guy is like a reversing dump truck. And we saw that in full force against Leicester. He's never engaging in a tackle. We even saw it against Milan, where where Romero got beat. He got beaten like an absolute, I'm not even gonna say. He got he got <laughs> he got destroyed in the air by Hernandez. And then and then Eric Dyer has an opportunity to make a challenge, doesn't make it, they score. That was that was even you can give him the benefit of the doubt in the Milan game. Against Leicester, I've never seen someone back off more more in my life. The guy that, may as well just run back into the changing rooms. Because what's he cr- doing? Yeah, that was crazy, yeah. I'll give you that. But Ian actually struck that shot like a toddler, and Fraser <laughs> Forster still let that in. Yeah, the that guy is the he's a bouncer. He is a bouncer. <laughs> he's he's bouncer. Bouncer. He is. He is. He's if, the thing is, if, if Ian is running against any good defender, if he's running even against at Romero, someone's making a challenge. Eric Dyer may as well have been on the touchline watching the game with us because he's not engaging with Ian and 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 that kind of the, just the, the lack of effort from him from from the rest of the team, from our wing backs, Paris is shooting like a ah. Oh. Anyways, Paris is <laughs> shooting, shooting like shooting like he's first about to fall off if he if he makes contact with the ball. The the just the, the desire is not there, and you just look like a team that were just out on their feet. And Forster was. Bad. Yeah, can I can I talk about Forster? I want to talk about Forster because I keep getting accused. I keep getting accused of having an agenda because I basically say every single shot he's faced in the Premier League that's gone in, he could have saved. I swear to God, almost every single shot he he should have saved. The one against Milan, it just makes you think, what's the point in watching? There's no point. There's no point when, when you got a goalkeeper that does that. There's no. We might as well put no one out. We might as well put no one out. Or, or even on the pitch, because I swear to God, we could play a 4-0 performance and we would still lose 5-4 with him in goal. He is so bad. He's so bad. And and the Milan goalkeeper was bad, by the way. He He's <laughs> shocking. Yeah, and he wasn't even tested. I don't think Fraser Forster was really tested. I, I had people say, people were saying, oh, he's got unlucky with that deflection. I'm sorry, uh, any decent goalkeeper is able to move their hands within the type. It's hit it with, it's hit it with he's the, acting like the deflection with a flashbang. He's, <laughs> acting like the, he's acting like the deflection with a flashbang. Exactly. It, it didn't. It didn't completely change direction. It came back into his path. It, it hit him with the chest. Like he's just been stunned. But then, the what I don't understand is he just lets that hit his chest and then gets up and makes one of the sickest saves I've ever seen. I don't understand. Montel doesn't have we, the reactions when the reaction was there. The second yeah. save was there. Yeah. We have conceded so many goals this season that don't even look like goals. They look like some something's gone <laughs> wrong. Like there, there's either like there's been some kind of massive offside or or <laughs> some pitch invaders ran onto the pitch and kicked it in the net, and the players are confused. <laughs> that goal against Arsenal, the Lloris one, <laughs> the whole of the South Stand was like, "What on earth has just happened?" Because. What we've considered so many the one goals against like Newcastle, that. the one against Newcastle, Callum Wilson's oh. one. 
Yeah. Oh, Although yeah. I do think that was a foul, though. I do think that was a foul. I well, apparently. <laughs> but let me, yeah, Forster was bad. And then the thing is, I really do want to kind of say, like, Poro was awful. At the same time, a debut is a very difficult game to, to perform mm. really well in. Mm. And Should I think been that- thrown in away. Should he have been thrown in away in his first game? I don't. I I think that the only reason he played was so that Emerson can play in Milan, and we did a genu- genuinely have rotation, uh, a rotation player for Emerson. Like I reckon, if it weren't Emerson, if it weren't uh, Poro, and we didn't sign Poro, Doherty would have played that game. Like I do think it was a rotation thing, and I think it's so tough. Like it's actually a re- very high intensity like high pressure game. And I think he was just doing too much. He was just mm. trying to do too much. And I think, I think he will improve, but his, his, um, his errors were confounded by the rest of the back four. Um, and, and the thing is, it's like when you don't have the confidence of the rest of your team that are going to cover for you when you do make a mistake, he's he got a bozo in goal as well. Exactly. His performance looks way worse because there was no one covering him. And I've, I've lost the amount. I've, I cannot even think about the amount of times that Tanganga just always... He even looks flashbang when he's defending. When he's he just gets he's rubbish. He's rubbish. <laughs> the, he's, that's the worst cut of, my, cut of his jib shout I've ever done. <laughs> he, I remember he, saying that like he looks like a real defending. defender that can sniff out danger. The guy... That can't make a tackle, can he? No, he can't. He can't. Every time he goes into a tackle, you're thinking, yeah. What is okay, let me ask you a question. Why does every tackle he makes look like a 50-50? <laughs> He's a defender. <laughs> but it's like he may or may not get the ball after that tackle. What does that tell you? <laughs> and then and then, and like I said, and then you have Eric Dyer to his left. If if anyone gets past Tanganga, they're basically one on one, because Eric Dyer's not doing anything. Yeah. So that's the thing, and then the prob- the problem is is that long Longley Davies, wh- whoever you put in there, you're going to get the same result. The, like Davies is going to get bullied in the air, Longley is going to get bullied on the floor, and so the <laughs> result is 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 negligible. The difference is negligible. The only thing is that Longley can can has longer legs, can get up the pitch, maybe put in a nice little cross for Harry Kane, but. It's it's really really it was it was one of the worst performances I've seen in a long time, and yeah, I mean I mean the scoreline reflected it, didn't it? Because we always say a Conte team doesn't get thrashed, and Spurs, in fairness, we don't get thrashed very often. We were thrashed by a team that looks like has looked like for long periods of the season like they could go down. We were thrashed. It's really it's embarrassing. Yeah, it's embarrassing. Like. They they didn't even have you know what they, were, they they didn't even have the players that I've like in my mind think are their best players like indeed he didn't play Tielemans didn't play like Vardy didn't play do you know what I mean these these are the players that you think you know like I don't know James Justin didn't play do you know what I mean like the players that you think oh these are like Leicester's best players bro Nampley's Mendy had the best game of his life he hadn't scored in like four years and he scored an absolute screamer yeah. Oh, what's yeah. going on? What's go- I like that that performance with Doctor Tottenham to a new level because, yeah. I, like I I think Ian Atro is a great player. Those goals 
shouldn't have been goals. In, in my in my in my opinion, a good team prevents those goals from going in, and then just a lack of effort and ingenuity, and even just you know just like professionalism with that with that uh, Perisic chance, for instance, that should be buried ten out of ten times, not even nine out of ten times, but eight out of ten times, ten out of ten times that should be put away. And the problem is. If it was switched around and Sessions in that position, I don't even expect him to score. But in you, I, I don't expect either of them to score. Yeah, what about Reggion? That's, that's what we bought Perisic for yeah. as well. Imagine Reggion for a goal there. Ah, please don't. Please, <laughs> please don't. We bought Perisic in for those moments as well, where the space just opens up. We've we've seen countless times before we even bought Perisic in when it, like like Cosmo said, when it was Reggion on the receiving end. How many times would he get into that position? And we thought bringing Perisic in was sort of going to add, I don't know, at least five goals yeah. just by having him in the side. Me and Cosmo are fighting for our lives on Twitter at the beginning of the season, <laughs> trying to say that, trying to say that there's there's a big misconception around the Syria and how <laughs> and how it's just like a retirement league, basically. And we were saying, no, Perisic is going to come here and show show people that like he's serious, isn't it? But, <laughs> Apart from his his set pieces, like I've been really underwhelmed by him, to be honest. Really underwhelmed. I think yeah, I think uh, yeah. he's been really bad, uh, and he's definitely not not contributed enough in terms of open play. If he's not offering anything in attack, then there's really not much point in him because he's not a defender. He never has been a defender. He got converted into a wing back. So if he doesn't have that, then. He's got nothing, and like like you say with the set pieces, you could probably train an overweight man to take good set pieces. If 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 that was all he did, and he was like already quite decent at football, he he could take a good corner, I think. So it's it's just not worked out. Like at the club, we've neglected just like getting players who can are either specialists or training players. We've just kind of stuck whoever on on corners, and. And and that's been a massive issue is that for the majority of of the time that we've been kind of flirting with top four, flirting with title, title challenges, is that we've settled so often. We've settled rather than being happy with our with our options. Like we've we've stuck on up front and he's performed well, but he's not a striker. We've kind of converted him into a striker. Like we've Defenders, Eric Dyer, we bought him as a defender. We played him as a midfielder until he until he could stop turning, basically. And then now he's a defender again. And these and everything like that, like Tan, Tanganga, for a good season he's or two. Been playing, he's been he's doing. been playing games for us for four years, Tanganga. He, he, he's played every position in that back four for more than one game, I, and and he's not good at any of them. You look and, at the whole backline. The whole backline is. He's played at wing back. He's played at wing back. We have one good defender, one good centre <laughs> back at the club. Well, and even he has some shocking games oh, as well. Yeah, don't, don't even get me started on Romero, man. I'm, I'm actually getting sick of it now. I'm really getting sick of it. Just, just like, I feel like. Listen, don't get me wrong. I, I, I think it's good to have a bit of shithousery. And obviously, Romero is a good player. But the way that people talk about Romero reminds me of the way that people are obsessing over content. It's like 
they're not in everywhere because because he he's he scared Haaland out of a game apparently. Like, oh my god, Haaland didn't even want to play this game because because Romero slide tackled him in the halfway line. Fucking bollocks. You got a point <laughs> a stupid yellow card. And then all right, the second yellow card he has to make because it's in the last minute. And then if he didn't make that, then they probably go and equalise. But then look at the consequences. Panganga has to play. Yeah, we lose the next game 4-1 and it should have been 5-1. And then he comes back for the Milan game and gets absolutely bullied. So, like, well, well, don't get me wrong. I think Romero's a good defender. I think people just need to calm down on him a little bit because I think he can be a bit of a liability at times. I think he, he likes to get too involved in in the... He, he he's way things. Too, yeah, it is way too... Like, sh- I don't care. I, people get so gassed when he just shouts at someone who's injured on the floor. I don't care. You don't need to be doing all that. He just he just wants to get too involved in it. And I think he, he definitely loses his head sometimes from it. And I know you've got a you, you don't really want to take that out of him because it probably does make him the defender that he is. But I think sometimes he takes it too far and obviously in this instance with the Leicester game, obviously we don't know if we would have won it or not. But the defence is just it's so light without him there. And I just want to say uh, go, on, go on, Eddie. Well, I just want to say on the Leicester game, because um, I watched it in Rome uh, before heading down to Milan, and I was convinced I had a curse on me because there was this there was this drunkard who <laughs> didn't come up to me until like half an hour into the game. From then on, every single time he turned around to speak to me, Tottenham would concede a goal. Every <laughs> single time. He, he spoke to me five times. We Even conceded, the offside goal, yeah. He, yeah, we conceded <laughs> five goals. And by the end, like every time he opened his mouth, he, he would always do it where the, the screen was just like behind the back of his head. And I think by the fifth time, I literally was like, for fuck's sake. And he was like, oh, sorry, sorry. And I was like, I just, I just point at the screen and just be like, yeah, let's go. And like, oh, horrible it was, viewing experience. Horrible it was, viewing experience. It was, uh, and the thing is, it's like no serious team can have that kind of performance. Do you know what I mean? Like, no, yeah, you're you don't so have right. That type of, you don't have that type of performance if you're serious about your ambitions in playing the Champions League, serious about top four, serious about competing with the top clubs. You don't have the, a performance like that. Like, fair enough, maybe, you know, United had that um, at the like, third game of the season or whatever. You can do it then, a little bit. You do it then, exactly. And then, and then since, I don't know, like, November, they've been the most consistent team in the league apart from Arsenal. So you can do that if you're working towards something. You can see there's a clear identity with, with United. Um, and, and they're so much better for it. And they look like a serious club. They look like a, a serious club. Even when you'd say that maybe their their team isn't brilliant. And and that's the thing, like if you want to be serious, you play like you've got something to lose. And we did we just did not play like that against Leicester. Or and, or like you say, you're working towards something. We're not working towards anything. It it yeah. you know, it comes full circle. They've given Ten Hog the keys. They've they've finally given the manager the keys to actually shape the shape the club the way that they want to shape it. Not yeah. not just appointing big name managers and then sort of half arsed Well they passed up half-arsed. on Conte, didn't they? Exactly, yeah. Exactly. And and don't get me wrong, we have in my opinion, I feel like we have backed Conte. 
But we have, been... by the way. I hate the narrative that we haven't backed Conte. Yeah, we bought him but... Richarlison for fifty million plus add-ons. Guys, not played, played him at all. It's a, it's a piss take. But the thing is, with Conte, the backing isn't ever going to be to the extent that he sees his backing. And because he's been at Chelsea, he's exactly, been at Chelsea. exactly. He's been at like, like... and Juve, who have who especially back yeah. then had a complete monopoly on the Italian league and were also one of the biggest teams in Europe. And and Inter when they were willing to spend money until this like until mo- yeah. most recently like yeah and then he left as soon as they couldn't anymore yeah literally as soon as they couldn't and and that's the thing it's just like he's no like I can't we can't keep saying every manager that comes to our club is not a good manager it has to be the club like M- Mourinho yes he wasn't the manager that he was but I think he still had something to offer. And and with Conte, it's the same. I think that he's not a bad manager, but if 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 it takes three hundred million, four hundred million, and then you, uh, uh, 300 million, 400 million on twenty twenty eight year olds, twenty seven year olds, to make you a good Conte side, then that's a problem because he's then gone to the wrong club, and we're acting like we're the club for him. We're not, and 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 and. It's really, really bad because we've wasted yet another peerless performance from Kane this season, and and we're we're a year closer to either losing him or him just losing, you know, this level. We've we've complete like Son's been awful this year, and all of a sudden you've got two of the most potent attackers in Europe who are now a year older and no closer to being successful with Tottenham. Larice is now completely finished, and you've still got Dyer, you've still got Sanchez, Tanganga, Davies, Sessignon. The names just add up, and all of a sudden, you're in a position where you play Leicester in a game where if you win, you, you're right in that fight, and you lose four-one. Utter disgrace, utter disgrace. And the thing is, is that Stellini comes in for this weekend, whatever. People are, oh yeah, Stellini, this, Stellini, that. He's going to play the, the way that we've played all season. I don't think it's... It, the, the difference is, is going to be marginal. It's whether the players want to play. That's going to dictate whether we're successful or not. And at yeah. the moment, it's going to look like it. And also and players are basically kids. And if they can get away with stuff, then they'll, they'll get away with it. And they're not going to have the actual manager there. I mean, maybe Stellini will be an amazing motivator. And maybe, you know, dare I say it, Ryan Mason as well. Maybe they can be like, oh, look, you've got to do this for Conte sort of thing. But truth be told, I don't see it happening. I just think everyone's checked out of Conte. The one thing I would say about that really surprised me, actually, um, obviously, because I did, I, I went to Milan, didn't didn't have a ticket, didn't end up getting a ticket. But when I was with the away fans there before the game, the support for Conte among the away fans is huge. I, I, yeah. I really did not expect that. Um and it is like a divide. It's another culture war in the club. And I think it does come down to, they they think you can't be anti-Levy and anti-Conte at, at the same time. But the truth is, you can say they're both wrong. Like we're saying that he's just made, Levy's just made the wrong appointment so many times now. And also starting to add up with the transfers as well. Because I, I really worry that Poro is going to be a, a wasted transfer because what you were saying earlier, Jed, we're going to employ a manager who doesn't play three at the back, probably in, in all likelihood. So 
then we got Adogi and Poro, who are great players, but they're just they're just not going to fit in. Um, yeah, I did also I did also talking of like um, missed opportunities. I did also notice that none of you guys replied to the meme I put in the group chat of uh, that kid who's just been beaten up on Snapchat saying you fucked up, you should have killed me. When it was, oh, no, that was so funny. <laughs> it yeah. was Arsenal. There's only 12 point difference between us and Arsenal now. I <laughs> love that. We're, we're, I, I reckon by the end of the season, um, either one of Chelsea or Liverpool are going to overtake us. That's a yeah. cherry prediction. Jesus. I mean, they're having absolute meltdown <laughs> seasons it. as well. I hear it. I hear it. Because, uh, and, and we can look forward to Chelsea and, and, and West Ham now. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I don't think that West Ham is a pushover. I know they're fighting for relegation, but the thing is, they look solid against Chelsea. Uh, aside from like an unbelievable save from Suchek, which is, I don't know, VAR has been like, like back-to-back weeks of absolute just cheeks in terms of decision-making. Like absolute, just... just so just I, I, didn't, I didn't see this. You said a save from Suchek. Yeah, yeah, bro, I'm my good. guy dives. He he was he he moved quicker than Forster. He, <laughs> he was better than Forster in net. Yeah, it was nuts. I don't know how they didn't get that. Bro, That's and, crazy. and, and this, this is the thing. Aside from that, they were solid and they could have scored. They had a goal disallowed for offside. They could have won that game. And I don't I I, just, I hate playing against West Ham. They always treat it as a cup final. And then you've got Chelsea directly after. It it, it is a pivotal moment for us and we're coming off two really poor results and how do you turn that around Poro in my opinion I want to see him back in the team I me do too. want to see me too him. I think I think he deserves another chance can't write him off after that yeah and and I and but the problem is that's it that's the only change you're going to get Romero is going to come back into the team which is obviously a plus don't want to see either of Sanchez or Tanganga even you know, I don't even want to see them in that, you know, that young 70-minute substitution. I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. And, and and But that's it. That's the only change you're going to get. Poro comes into the side. And and that's the frustration is that why? Richardson can come in. Why not give him a chance? Dan Juma can come in. Why not give him a chance? I, I'd play them both. Oh, uh, Dan Juma and Richardson. This is the whole point of having depth. You don't... You don't... Acts like you haven't been backed when you've got a sixty million pound striker, and then when you have a, a player who is wildly out of form, you don't ever give that player a chance. It doesn't make sense. Son yeah. was out for one game when yeah. he was out of form this season. One game, yeah. And it's that not a game, meritocracy. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah, it, it, it's ridiculous. Like how how do you feel as a player when you can see someone is actually stinking up the gaff? And you can't even start, and, you, oh, and yeah. your brand is not giving you a chance, and you're only coming and, on. And you're and you're Brazil's number nine, bro. And you and you and you scored fantastic goals in the World Cup. And when Dan Juma came on, yeah, be it against a poor team, he looks so hungry. Mm. And Kulusevski looks dusty. Son looks dusty. Give them a chance. What do you have to lose? All you, all you have to lose is that maybe they're not effective. But neither are Son or Kulisevsky. You don't lose anything. At, at the very it, least, it would increase competition. At, at the very least. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
that's the problem. That's the uh, problem. Who, who would you guys start over um, Skip or Saar? Because obviously Hoybier is going to come come back in. Who, who do you think should be starting? Because I I think Skip's a really good player, man. I feel like he's a Premier League player that Conte started treating like a like a kid. I mean, he yeah. was he was our best centre mid for the first yeah. half of last season. Um, so for me, it's Skip, but I do see the potential of Saar. What, what what do you guys think? I think um, I think alongside Hoybier, I think Skip is a bit too similar. I think that's, that's where true, you, actually. that's where you get kind of like a stodgy midfield where there's not enough progression. Um, even though like Hoybier does get up the pitch, like he doesn't he doesn't carry the ball particularly well, and I think that's what's. I mean, Skip does that kind of, but like not as much as he used to pre-injury. He does that a lot less now, and I think Saar has the, you know, he has the build, he has the he has the propensity to to carry the ball, and like um, to be safe with the ball. Like he he can be secure with the ball. Like it doesn't feel like he's going to lose it when he carries it. He's quite a strong ball carrier, and so I think that dynamic with Hoybjerg might work. But I think they're almost on an even keel. So I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised whoever starts. It'll be one of them, but I'm not sure who. Jed uh, Saar strikes me as a player you would really, really like. No, yeah, you're right. I do. I like him. I think. I think to be fair, both him and Skip. Just to take it back to the Milan game quickly, I thought the way that they just comfortably slotted in and just looked completely unfazed at the occasion, I think is is um, is really promising because. A lot of the time with young players, you see them get overawed by the occasion and sort of hide a little bit. And both of them, I, I thought uh, they they sort of not grabbed the game by the by the horns, but it's they they, they put in a good good showing. Um, but in terms of who starts, I, yeah, I think I agree with Eddie. I think it's just it, like like he said, gives us a little something different. But what you said on on Skip is so true, Cosmo. The fact that like. He almost treats him like he's a kid. When when he came in, I thought Skip was actually quite. If if I, if I remember rightly, I'm I'm sure he used him quite a bit, and I'm sure he, he did. Was, yeah, he was talking him up quite a lot. Which, to be fair, he he seemed to do to a lot of players, and it it means nothing. But if there was anyone, especially one of the youngsters, that I would have said Conte would have really taken a a liking to and got a lot of minutes, I would have said it would have been Skip. It's just obviously unfortunate that you got that that long-term injury and is setting back a bit, but hopefully he can get to the level that he was at before because I think he was sort of starting to show, show some real promise. In a real cursed kind of sense, like this Benzincourt injury, which we haven't even mentioned so far, like almost an hour into the podcast, this kind of, this injury has been, will, will end up being a blessing for either one of Skip or Saar. Yeah. Um, if, if they can rise up to the occasion, because they were not getting a look in with both Basuma and Benton fit. That like Skip would come on, you know, for 10, five minutes, 10 minutes maybe. Um, but now they have a true opportunity to, to show us what we've been missing out on. And it's almost a shame that someone like Spencer to get that opportunity. Um, but they have to take the opportunity now. Um and I think a good performance against West Ham, whoever comes in, will do a lot for them. Um, I'm just, I'm just, I'm never confident about what what kind of Spurs are going to turn up um, 
whenever we step onto a pitch. Yeah, yeah. thing I would say on that is if we do get wins against West Ham and Chelsea, as far-fetched as that sounds right now, then... We're going to be on here. We're going to be really optimistic again. They're going to, they're, they will trick us again if that happens. No, I, I'm, I'm seeing past it now, man. One too uh, many times, man. I, I can't, I can't do it again. I really can't. I think Mate. it's just going to be the story of the rest of our season. I think we might, we might win a couple whether we play well or not. And I think we're just going to go on these runs where we, we lose a couple and look absolutely awful. Even the, even the meme of you fucked up, you should have killed me got me believing again. That's how prone I am to, to belief. Uh, I'm sorry to say. Football is a romantic sport, but Spurs make it a horror. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Um, <laughs> doesn't that 2 2 with Chelsea feel like a lifetime ago? And that was this that season. That like last season. Yeah. I, I forget. I keep forgetting we had a World Cup in the middle of the, of the season as well. Yeah. Like when I hear people being like, "Oh, since the World Cup," I'm always like, "What?" Like, it's nuts. But I, I, that was the last time I felt quite excited by Spurs. I mean, obviously we did have the excitement of um, Kane breaking the record and that win against City. But I saw a highlight reel of Bentancur's season um, after he got the knee injury, and seeing the games from early on in the season. It made me realise how much hope we had at the beginning of the season. I was really like watching those games on the edge of my seat thinking like, we need to get a point or or, or win here if we're going to be in the title race. Yes. And we have fallen so, so far below the expectations. It's actually ridiculous now. And um, there was something you were saying, Eddie, uh, saying earlier, Eddie, um, and it was about like, we've we've seen this before. I can't remember exactly what you said, but like, it's just our inconsistency versus the likes of like Newcastle and United that's going to kill us because we could get top four. We could, if we actually played to our potential, we we genuinely could, but we've seen, we've seen this too many times before, man. This is just one of those seasons where we keep doing stupid shit until the end of the season. And then it will be four games to the end of the season. We'll still be like, Oh, okay. If we win our next four, maybe we've got outside chance of scraping it. It's just, just feels like it's not going to happen. Well, this, really. When the race has been this open for the majority of the season, <clears throat> it doesn't feel like we should be in this position. If we if we look back pre World Cup and pre just the awful football that we were kind of playing before we had the last two games that were good, um, like United were not even in the question. They were so poor. Chelsea so poor. Liverpool so poor. Teams like. Brighton and Brentford hadn't even made the climb up to to the to the top of the table, near the top of the table. Um and suddenly you're looking at the table, you think Brighton could easily overtake us, you know, Brentford could overtake us. And how do you even get to that position? It's consistent bad results. It's not one or two games. It's we've consistently been poor and we've consistently conceded way too many goals. And this is the position that we're in now. And I think our actual league position um, is flattering at the moment. Same, same. Because we're there or thereabouts, and realistically, we're just not. Yeah, I don't understand it because it feels like we, for a couple of months now, have been like incredibly patchy. Whereas to me, I feel like Brighton have just been winning for the last two months. And I don't understand how we're still ahead of them. But just, just like more in general, I think like, it feels very similar to this this time of the year last last season, 
where like so for for example obviously the city away game where we won three two and then we would go and lose one nil to Burnley. And then before that we had some really bad results as well. But I think the difference this season to to then is obviously Conte's contract is, is expiring. So there's that even added uncertainty. And it's like, are they going to have that extra 10, 15% to want to do it for him, knowing that he's not going to be there next season? I don't know. I don't know if that's going to be able to carry him through this season. Um, I, I just don't, and especially with the state of the squad, I just don't trust us to get them results right now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's been, it's been a Wait, cheery before, one. Before we, before, before we log off, I kind of maybe want to balance it out a little bit by saying mm. that at any point, Kulisevsky can find some form. <clears> and, and and at any point, you know, Dan Juma can come in, which is a genuine like option that I'm glad that we have now. Mm. Richardson can come in because he's fit. And if we do, if we do do that, and we do give those players an opportunity in Poro like we haven't seen the best of him yet Saar could turn into an absolute monster these are things that like are right on the cusp of happening and that's that's what I talk about the pivotal this is the pivotal moment if those things do happen then yeah like you said we could be on this podcast two weeks from now being like we're right back in it Uh, and I that's football I think you kind of like you you, the, the ebb and flow you know, the old Al Pacino, just when I thought I was out, you pull me back in. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. that's what it is with Tottenham. Um, and and I think that, I think the kind of curse of it is that if we finish the season strong or if we don't finish the season strong, come like August, we'll be like, we just have that renewed sense of like, whoever's even in charge, that renewed sense of, let's just go again. Yeah. So, I want to just like get this therapy session done, this pod done, and be like, okay, look, let's look forward to the weekend and hopefully beat West Ham. Talking of football changing very quickly, Arsenal looked like they would never lose a game again three games ago, and now they have fans crying in the stadium. I, I, I'm not going to say any more than that because they <laughs> no, very much don't want to jinx it. Also, you mentioned but... Arsenal, they beat United, and it was just uh, tears in my eyes. Yeah. Football changes quickly. Football changes quickly. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening. Um, if you've made it through all of this therapy session and you're a G, <laughs> it's been it's been yeah. very cathartic cathartic. Um yeah, nice one to record. Cheers, boys. Cheers.